we have a problem in our culture today. And that is that we don't want to know the truth, but we still want to be free. Jesus said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If a slave, going back through history, if a slave in the Bible times or in the Civil War era said, well, I I don't feel like a slave. I don't need to go free because I'm not in bondage. Remember, that was a thing that the, the, the religious leaders of Israel said constantly. Jesus said, you're in bondage to your father, the devil. And they said, we've never been in bondage. Can you believe the children of Israel saying we've never been in bondage to anyone? And yet the whole story of the children of Israel is a story of bondage. Because they were in bondage to the Egyptians for 400 years. They were in bondage over and over in the book of Judges. They would repent. God would deliver them from bondage. They would go back to the idols and go back into bondage. And at that very moment, when Jesus is speaking to them, they were in bondage to Rome. They had to go to Pontius Pilate to get permission to kill Jesus because they were in bondage to Rome. Even though by their law, he must die. So, if you want to be free... Seek the truth, and the truth is Jesus. Let's commit ourselves to the Lord before we begin. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you and praise you for the gift of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that we were able to Um, sit under your word during the breaking of bread and we pray that your word will continue to go forth with power in this hour as we look at the scriptures together. Lord, we pray that you would be honored and glorified and we pray that many people from the poorest of the poor on the streets to those joining um the administration of the President of the United States would come to know in a very real way the Christ of Christmas. Because only then can we have world peace. Only then can we have harmony between the races is when we walk daily with the Prince of Peace, Christ Jesus. I pray for this this Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well... Uh, before we uh, dig in, I want to just read um, the first. Uh, oh, actually, I, mean, I think I might just read the whole chapter of Matthew chapter 2. So let's just begin to read together. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he? that is born king of the Jews. For we have seen his star in the east and are come 
to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again, that I may come to worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over the place where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented him with gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night, and departed into Egypt. And when he was there, and he and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth, and sent forth, and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem, and in all the coasts thereof, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. Thus was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremy the prophet, saying, In Ramah there was a voice heard, Lamentation and weeping, great mourning, great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children and would not be comforted, because they are not. But when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared into a dream to Joseph, saying, Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go ye into the land of Israel, for they are dead, which sought the young child's life. And he arose and took the young child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus did reign in Judah in the room of his father, Herod, he was afraid to go thither, notwithstanding, being warned of God in a dream, he turned aside into the parts of Galilee. And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. May the Lord have his blessing on the reading of his word. Um, I find it interesting, and I was reminded, I think last year I spoke on Joseph and his obedience. There's at least four dreams that Joseph had, four times that God communicated to Joseph, and each time his response was complete obedience. Joseph is, is someone that, um, 
is to be looked up to and admired, not because he was perfect, but because he was willing. And may that be said of all of us, that in all of our failings and flaws, that we would be willing to be used of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, as we go in to our study today, um, we are, as I said, um, looking at six lessons learned from the wise men. So, um, if you're taking notes, uh, the first one is wise men look up. Let's look at Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Now we don't know the circumstances that caused the, disciples, the, the wise men to look up into the sky and see this star and to know that it was the foreshadowing of a king. But we know that God moves in the hearts of man and he moves that heart wherever he wishes. And in the case of these wise men, he said there's a king in, in um, uh, there's a king of the Jews that you need to go and find. And so these wise men were obedient to that. But I, I, I want to pose a question to us today, to myself as well as to you. When we are struggling, when we do have problems, do we look up? A lot of times we look at all other kinds of places. You know, during this past summer, there was a lot of uh, racial tension and unrest in our country, and everybody was pointing at each other. They're saying, well, it's, it's, the, it's the liberals' fault. It's the conservatives' fault. But you know what? The Bible tells us in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, the heart of man is deceitful above all things. And, <laughs> and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The only way that I don't have a desperately wicked heart is because Jesus changed my heart. Because Jesus reached in and he took out my heart of stone and he put in its place a heart of flesh. Jesus came to make dead men alive. And I'm glad to say this Christmas that I am alive. Let's look, by way of cross-reference, at Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2, and Colossians 3, 1 to 3. So let's start with Psalm 121, 1 and 2, and then after that, if someone can read Colossians 3, 1 to 3. If you get to these references, please stand and read them for us. 122, 1 and 2, is that right? 121, 1 and 2. I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. 
Is that one and two? Okay, good. Um, and then Colossians 3, 1 to 3. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Thank you. So we see in these two scriptures that the posture of a believer should be to look up. You know, I, I won't lie, from a human standpoint, there's been a lot of anxiety in the last couple of months about who would be president come January. And I, I had concerns about that. Because I know that that affects what goes on around us. But I know that no matter what is going on around us, we can be assured of one thing. That Christ is above us, sitting in heaven, interceding for us. with groanings that cannot be uttered. So even when we don't know what to pray, God knows how to sustain us. And I'm so thankful for that. And remember that Colossians passage, we are hid with Christ in God. There's no safer place to be. As the old hymn says, under his wings, I am safely abiding. And another old hymn says, More secure is no one ever than a loved one of the Savior. Had a dear brother from Northwest Gospel Hall, Tony Zeshariba, went to be with the Lord just in the past week or so. And I can remember and how he was such an encouragement to me in my walk with the Lord. But he would often be asked, how do you, how do you spell home? He would often ask people, how do you spell home? And then he would respond if you, because often you would, you would think, well, H-O-M-E, right? But he would always respond, H-E-A. V-E-N. So when I heard that he had gone to be with the Lord, I knew that he was home. And I miss him. And I know his family misses him. And they could use your prayers. But I know that they know that they know that he is in heaven because the Bible says, these things are written that you may know that you have eternal life. And Tony knew, and I hope that you know as well. All right, lesson two from the wise men. Oh, I just want to read this quote from Thomas Aquinas. Bestow unto me, O Lord my God, understanding to know thee, diligence to seek thee, wisdom to find thee, and a faithfulness that we may finally embrace thee.
and that's Thomas Aquinas. The second thing that wise men do, wise men seek the truth. Okay, somehow God had conveyed to them that they needed to search for the new king. So what do they say in Matthew chapter 2, verse 2? They say, where is he that is born the king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. They had a singular focus. We're coming to worship the king. We can learn a lot from that focus. And we need to have this attitude of seeking the truth, of spending time in the word of God. Remember, Pilate said to Jesus, what is truth? And the truth was standing there, staring him in the face, and he still asked that question. We have a whole world outside these walls asking that question every single day of our lives. What is truth? And you and I are commissioned to share what truth is. Because we know truth personified, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's look at Jeremiah, chapter 29, verses 13 and 14. Jeremiah 29, 13 and 14. He says, you will find me if you seek me with all your heart. He doesn't say you might find me. He says you will. Jesus and God always speak in the definitive article. Let's look at John chapter 8. John 8, 31 and 32. We have a problem in our culture today. And that is that we don't want to know the truth, but we still want to be free. Jesus said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If a slave, going back through history, if a slave... in the Bible times or in the Civil War era, said, well, I I don't feel like a slave. I don't need to go free because I'm not in bondage. Remember, that was a thing that the, the 
the religious leaders of Israel said constantly. Jesus said, you're in bondage to your father, the devil. And he, they said, we've never been in bondage. Can you believe the children of Israel saying we've never been in bondage to anyone? And yet the whole story of the children of Israel is a story of bondage. Because they were in bondage to the Egyptians for 400 years. They were in bondage over and over in the book of Judges. They would repent. God would deliver them from bondage. They would go back to the idols and go back into bondage. And at that very moment, when Jesus is speaking to them, they were in bondage to Rome. They had to go to Pontius Pilate to get permission to kill Jesus because they were in bondage to Rome. Even though by their law, he must die. So, if you want to be free... Seek the truth, and the truth is Jesus. Since truth is always true, and only true can be, keep me, O Lord, as true to truth, as truth is true to thee. Now that is a tongue twister, but it is a very good thing to remember, and that is by someone by the name of T. Baird. There's just an initial here, but I really liked that, and so I bring it to your attention. The third thing that wise men do, we've seen that wise men look up, we've seen that wise men seek the truth. The third thing they do is persevere. Let's look at Matthew 2, 7, and then verse 16. In 7 it says, Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently, what time the star has appeared. And then in verse 16 it says, Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceedingly wroth, and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and all the coasts thereof, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. And because Herod slew all the children two years on under, we can surmise from that that the wise men had up to a two-hour, two-year journey to find the king. If the star appeared when Jesus was born, and the wise men followed the star, and then Herod is killing all the babies two years old and younger, it could have been a two-year journey, but the wise men did not give up. They persevered. Let's look at Romans chapter 5, verse 1 to 5. Romans 5, 1 to 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have, have access by faith and into the grace, this grace in which we stand and rejoice hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation can produces perseverance. And then character and character hope, and now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God is not, has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. 
From a human standpoint, I don't like that that's in the Bible. Because it says, tribulation produces perseverance. Well, Paul knew what he was talking about. From the time he accepted the Lord Jesus, and can you imagine being one of the people that was with Paul on the road to Damascus? They're like, yeah, we're with Paul. We're going to go take out tons more followers of the way. And then Paul is knocked off his high horse, literally. And when he comes out of his three days of fasting, he gets baptized by one of those followers of the way. And he goes and he immediately preaches Christ in the synagogues. And they're like, what happened? This guy was going to help us eradicate the way. See, the way cannot be eradicated because Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We've had local and state governments that have tried to, tried to disrupt the church this year. But God says it's his church. And as the old hymn says, the church is one foundation. Is Jesus Christ her Lord? It's not the government. It's not even the individual people in the church. It is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the head. And we are merely the body. If we look at 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 6, 11 and 12, please. Paul is speaking to Timothy here. And later in 2 Timothy, he will say, he says to Timothy, fight the good fight. And then later in 2 Timothy, he says, I, Paul, have fought the good fight. I have kept the faith. I have finished the course. And that's the way that we should be as believers. The Athenians used to have a race in which the runners carried lighted torches. The victors who were crowned were those who arrived at the goal with their torches still burning. May you come to your goal. May, may you come to your goal, reach the end with your torch still burning. The highest tribute, the highest reward you can ever receive is to have said of you, he He was a true, a consistent man, clear down to the end. Whatever the end is, 
I hope that we can be consistent. Number four. Wise men rejoice. Wise men rejoice. Uh, Matthew 2.10 says, When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. I have to say that I don't think that I rejoice as much as I should. But rejoicing should characterize the believer. These wise men had a two-year journey, and they were coming to the end of it, and they rejoiced with great joy. What a lesson to us. Let's look at Luke one forty-seven. Luke one forty-seven. This is Mary's exaltation. And my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. So Mary is saying here, I need a Savior as much as anyone else. She says earlier in that passage, Thou hast regarded the lowest state of thy maidservant. There was nothing holy about Mary, except that she followed and was obedient to a holy God. And so yes, she is blessed among women. Because only one woman got the opportunity to be the mother of the Son of God. And I can only imagine what that must have been like. Michael Jr., the Christian comedian, he does this comedy thing where he talks about what it must have been like for Joseph and Mary to to lose Jesus at the temple. And I think it's pretty funny. I would encourage you to go look it up. I'm not going to try to replicate it here. But just the idea that God had one son and they lost him. And, you know, they had one job, and they must have felt like they were failing at that particular moment. But uh, God is good. And, of course, they found him, and he said, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I needed to be about my father's business? Uh, Let's look at, uh, also, real quick, Philippians 4.4. Continuing on in this idea of rejoicing. Philippians 4, 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. And I, I, the thing that blows me away about this is that Paul is writing in the book of Philippians and he is in a jail cell. He's writing from Rome. At the end of this chapter, he will send readings from the saints of Caesar's household. So he's still preaching the gospel, still winning people to Jesus. How amazing must that have been to sit under the sound of the word of God every time you were chained to the Apostle Paul. And he's in this dark and dank cave, probably, 
with no running water, no toilets, no heat. And yet he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Why do he say it twice? Because it's a hard thing sometimes for us to do. Number five. Wise men worship. Matthew 2.11 And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented him with gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. I sometimes wonder what that must have been like for Mary to have these people coming in and worshiping her son. Further validation that the one that she was raising was indeed the Son of God. But their response to encountering Jesus was to worship him. You know, when when people have encounters with Jesus, there's only really two basic responses. Either they harden their hearts and they turn away and they ask cynically like Pilate, what is truth? Or they say to Jesus, Lord, I believe. And sometimes they say, help thou my unbelief. I know I've said that And I've struggled in different times throughout this rough 2020 with seeing God's hand. And yet it's always there, it's always consistent, and he's always just telling me, Andrew, be still and know that I am God. And if there's one thing I want you to realize today is that he is Psalm 29.2, Psalm 29.2. And then John 4.21-24. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh, when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So we must worship him in spirit and in truth. A wise person will do that, because all wisdom comes from God. And what did God say? What did Jesus say about the Holy Spirit? He said, the Holy Spirit, which I will send to you, will what? Guide you into all truth. What is worship? Worship is to feel in your heart 
and express in some appropriate manner a humbling but delightful sense of admiring awe and astonished wonder and overpowering love in the presence of the, own, of the most ancient majesty, that majesty which philosophers call the first cause, but which we call our Father, which art in heaven. What a blessing. Wise men, this is our final point today, wise men obey. Matthew 2.13 says, And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeareth to Joseph in a dream, saying, take the young, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And actually, that is a good verse of obedience, but I wrote it down wrong. Verse 12 is what I wanted to focus on, because we're talking about the wise men today. Verse 12 says, And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. I remember Herod had told them to diligently seek the young child and bring word so that he could worship them. As excited as they were, they probably thought that's what he wants to do. And then I have a couple references here. I won't um, have you read them, but I will have you write them down on obedience. Um, Proverbs ten seventeen, And then John fourteen fifteen simply says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And then I have a source unknown quote. It says, Where a captain bids us go, tis not ours to murmur, no. He that gives the sword and shield chooses to the battlefield where we fight the foe. So God may have a battlefield for you to fight. But my prayer is that you will allow him to equip you to fight it. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these examples in your word of obedience and of worship. Thank you for these lessons from the wise men, their obedience to you. Well, we don't know what the end of their story was, but we know that they made the right decision to follow after you and to persevere and to seek you, Lord. Lord, you tell us today to seek you first, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Lord, as we consider this babe in the manger, as we consider what it must have been like for Mary and Joseph to hold this babe, to count his fingers and his toes, to hear his coos and his cries, Lord, we pray that we would be brought to... Um, the uh, realization afresh of what God really did for us on that long ago day. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.